Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, the word tonight is entitled, The Message. What message? Well, it's, it's you know, uh, I can't deny that my birthday has been on my mind. And so uh, this is going to have a little bit to do with the message I believe God has given me. And uh, even this week and also has been giving me for a number of years. Uh, this evening, I'm going to be uh, preaching from a little Bible. Some of you may can see that little Bible. Um, this little Bible is... Uh, is a gift, a birthday gift, from my mom and my dad on my 17th birthday, which was 50 years ago today, my mom and dad gave me this Bible. And that was, if you're wondering, it was December the 8th, 1971, and it was on a Wednesday. Isn't that interesting? I was born in 1954, December the 8th, it was a Wednesday. How amazing is that? Huh? And today, December the, uh, you know, the 8th is another Wednesday. And, uh, uh, you know, my mom and dad, I, I, I don't know what they had in mind when they gave me this Bible uh, and thought about what it would be a gift for me uh, because I wasn't necessarily chasing God at that time in my life. And um, I, I, I didn't for a few years. But nonetheless, you know, this Bible made its way with me. Uh, just a little bit after that, you know, I got married, you know, uh, and then, I mean, just, just quickly after that, no one expected it. Uh, and, and then, uh, then I went in the military and uh, moved to Europe. And there, you know, um, I had a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ and turned my life over to him. And this little Bible was right with me all of the way. You know, those three years I spent in, in Europe, you know, with God, you know, um, I, I found out that I didn't have to be pursuing him. He was pursuing me. And then for many years, even through, you know, the, the first years of, of, of me pastoring, you know, after six years in the military and then, you know, uh, working, uh, you know, in, in uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I was a heavy equipment operator and uh, just working, you know, and, and driving everything from dump trucks to log trucks to, you know, um, uh, running machinery and tree shears and skidders and dozers and, you know, uh, you know, in fact, if you wind me up and set me down, that's who I am. If you're ever looking for me, you can look for me out somewhere in the dirt, playing in the dirt. Uh, you know, uh, for my birthday, if I could have had a chance to get on a backhoe or, a, or a, you know, a track hoe or something like that today, that would have been wonderful. Uh, but um, it, it was amazing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm certain you can understand that, uh, um, you know, in, the, in this past week, since my mom and dad, you know, have both been with the Lord for a number of years, my dad passed away when he was 58 years old. Uh, in, in 1987 and uh, he and I were just great friends uh, the day that I buried him uh, the next day he would have been sober for 12 years uh, you know, I can still remember I was baptizing some people out in a stock pond after I came back from the military you know and uh, I never expected not in not in a million years did I ever expect I would see my dad walking out across that pasture 
out behind a man named Joe Cruz's house. We had borrowed a, a, a pond from a man named Joe Cruz. Uh, his, his family was just amazing. I'd, I'd gotten the chance to lead them to the Lord. And, you know, uh, uh, these, they, 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 gosh, I just can't begin to tell you the impact that, the, that this community and these, the, these people here in my hometown, the community at that time of just a couple hundred people, and the impact they made on my life is as I began to share the word of God from this. And I saw my dad walk out across that pasture, and I had finished baptizing the last person. I'd probably, I don't know, baptized probably 10 or 12 people. And uh, I, I, I was finished, and my dad said, wait, one more. Walked out into that water, and there... Uh, I baptized him, and then I turned to him and I said, Dad, would you baptize me? Because I had, I had come to a new faith in water baptism, and I had been baptized at 12 years old. So my dad just looked at me rather strange, but he understood that this was, this was something that, you know, just needed to be done in my life, in his life, in our lives, in our relationship. And there he baptized me in that old stock pond. So in thinking back about these memories this week and, and even today, I, uh, you know, I wanted to reconnect. I wanted to reconnect with what God was doing, uh, what, he had, what God had planned for me, what God wanted for me back in 1971 when I was, you know, uh, whew, I was not a candidate for church. I was not a candidate for, uh, you know, uh, anything that had to do with, with godliness or holiness. You know, uh, uh, time fails me. I, I, I don't have enough life to apologize to all the people I should be apologizing to. Uh, you know, for my, but most of them are already gone because I kind of picked on the old people. And uh, <laughs> there was a man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell this friend, there was a man uh, named, uh, named, his last name was Misseldine. Just wonderful, wonderful people. His wife's name was Opie and they were a little bit older when I was young, and, uh, and uh, they, they, they ran our little local convenience store. And uh, uh, my sister-in-law, Pat, if she happens to be listening, this, these are her grandparents. Uh, but when I was a young man about this time in my life, uh, you know, uh, I didn't have much money. I, was, I, I worked all the time, but, uh, you know, I spent everything I got on cars and tires and, you know, um, uh, engines for cars and, you know, in, in, anything else I could get my hands on that was that related to that. And so I was always out of tires and out of gas. You know how that goes. I was always trying to fix a flat or, uh, you know, put bigger tires on or, you know, put some shackles on my car or, you know, in, in, in anything I could do. And uh, so... Uh, uh, to get gas, I would, I would pick up some Coke bottles here and there. I'd get me a case of Coke bottles, and I would, I would pull up. I'd, I would wait until, you know, it looked like the store was a little bit busy. And I would pull up the store, and I would open my trunk around beside the store, and I would get those case of Coke bottles out. And I would walk in to the store, and I would tell Mr. Mr. Don, I, I, I got some Coke bottles I need to sell. But I think they were like two cents a piece, you know. I got some Coke bottles. He'd say, oh, he, he would always say the same thing. Okay, set them around beside the store. I'd go and, you know, set that around beside the store, and I would get another case from beside the store and carry it in, show it to him, set that down, get another case, carry it in, show it to him, set that down. And, uh, you know, it was, it was horrible. It was just bad, bad. 
And sometimes, when, and, and so I'd, you know, get that much gas. And when he got unbusy, that was my last case, you know, whenever he got to where he could follow me out with that case. And uh, it was just, you know, that was the kind of reputation I had because people know you do stuff like that, you know. And, and if there was a car sitting there, you can't do that today, but if there was a car sitting there, I would, I would pull up and put a dollar's worth in. Everybody, you know, a dollar's worth, that's just, that's just what you got. Give me a dollar's worth of gas. How many of y'all remember getting a dollar's worth of gas? Anybody here remember getting, you know, give me a dollar's worth of gas? Yeah, oh, man. And, you know, if there was another car sitting there, I'd ring that off. Give me another dollar's worth. Give me another Oh, it was horrible whenever I'd get that last dollar's worth and I'd only get like 76 cents in there. And <laughs> I'd have to go in and say, you know, I need 76 cents worth of gas, you know. Oh, time fails me to, to tell uh, the number of people that I'm going to have to ask to forgive me when I get to heaven. Good people, sweet people, loving people. But in that time in my life, I was not pursuing God. And I was not, uh, you know, I was just a knot-headed young boy. And uh, no excuse for it. But, you know, here my mom and dad give me a Bible. Not really realizing until you look back on something like that, that God had a plan for my life. And that God wanted to change my life. And that God was doing things, things in the open and things in secret and things behind the scenes and things that you can look back on now and see how he was protecting, preserving, guiding, leading, despite my rowdiness, despite, you know, my, my you know, uh, you know uh, sin. You know, God's not afraid of sinners. He's not afraid of your sin. God, God loves sinners. In fact, Jesus came to save sinners. The Apostle Paul says, of whom I am the chief. Well, that was, you know, a couple thousand years before I was born. And then, uh, but, but God loves us, has a plan for our life. But looking back over the years after my mom and dad gave me this little Bible 50 years ago today, going through it and seeing what I began to underline, seeing the passages that I began to read and highlight and the notes that I began to write in, in, in the papers that allowed me to and you know notes and you know and uh watching the discipleship as i look back on it looking at the discipleship in my life the scriptures that began to mean something to me during those early adventures as god was calling me because you know my mama was interested in me reading this bible and it you know, it played a significant part in changing my life. In fact, it was this little Bible that I had with me when, when I got out of the military and I was sitting in Calvary Baptist Church in Sims, Texas, and the preacher was preaching. It was this little Bible I had with me whenever I set it down and I got up and walked down in front of that church, probably about 30 people, 40 people that day, and said to the preacher, uh, name was Brother Harold Churchill. I said to him, I, I believe God's called me to preach. He turned me around and, you know, and stood me up in front of everybody and had all those people come and shake my hand. And I, I began to weep and cry. And I took this little Bible, picked it up, and I went and got in the car. And Brenda got two little babies in the car. And we drove about a half a mile to our house. And I just got out, which is rare, uh, you know, I, I, I just got out and just left them in the car and I went in and I, I fell down on the couch 
And I, I put this little Bible, I had it in my hand still, and I just laid it on my chest, and I just began to weep and cry and said, God, I've, I'm sorry, God, I've made a mistake. There's no way in the world, Lord. You, you know who I am, and you know what I've done, and you know how I am, God. And, you know, I mean, I love you, and I want to serve you, and I'm, 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 I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, you know, be in church, but, God, there's no way in the world that I can be a preacher. Nobody's going to let me be a preacher. Nobody's going to believe I'm a preacher. I have embarrassed you, I've embarrassed my family, I've embarrassed myself. And God, I don't know what to do about it. I can't believe I went up there and told that preacher that I wanted to, you know, I, I felt like you wanted, I am so sorry, God. And I was just boohooing and crying and crying and weeping uncontrollably. And, and uh, uh, it's, you know, it's just a thought, a thought came to my head. And I said, God... I'm going to do something. I don't, you know, don't try this at home, okay? Here's my disclaimer, because it, it's, it's not, it is not what I teach and not what I preach and not what's good to do. But in my ignorance at that moment, and you're not ignorant anymore, but in my ignorance, I said, God, I'm going to take this little Bible. I'm going to take this Bible, and I'm going to throw it up in the air, lay it on my back on the couch. And when it comes down, I'm going to, Catch it in the air, Lord. I'm going to put my finger on the scripture, Lord. And, and if, if it doesn't tell me that, 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 that I'm called into the ministry to preach, if it doesn't tell me that I'm supposed to preach, Lord, I'm just going to go back up to that church tonight, Sunday night, and I'm going to tell everybody I made a mistake. I'm going to apologize. And I'm going to get my family and we're going to move somewhere and I'll go to church somewhere else, but I can't live in this embarrassment. And I just can't, you know... And, you know, I took this Bible crying. I threw it up. When it came down, I put my finger, it was flopping, put my finger on it and brought it down. And it was Luke 4, 18. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I said, Lord, I don't know how. I don't know how I can get from here to anywhere that looks like a preacher. But I will never doubt that you have called me. I might not can do it, but I do know I'm called. And I started out with this little Bible. Let me share tonight with you the message that for the next decade, I use this little Bible here to study, to preach, to share the Word of God. Allow me to read from this well-marked passage. If you'll look with me in Matthew chapter 16, I find it interesting. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has taken his disciples just down a few verses in Matthew 16, and he's taken them up north uh, to a place called Caesarea Philippi. There are two Caesareas in Israel that are well known. One of the Caesareas is on the Mediterranean coast. And, uh, but one of the Caesareas was named after uh, Caesar Tiberius. Uh, and and it, it, was, uh, uh, it was in honor, he named it in honor of Philip. So it's called Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea of Philip. Uh, and it's up near um, Mount Hermon up in the very northern part. In fact, it's right beside where the spring and the headwaters of the Jordan River come out of a place called Banyas. 
and the Jordan River begins there. And Jesus is going to be up there. A few things are going to happen there. He's going to, it, that's the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus is going to be transfigured. He takes Peter, James, and John up. You know, This is the place where Jesus said to his disciples as he was coming into that region... You know, uh, tonight I'll be reading from the King James Version because that's what this one is. When Jesus was coming into the region of Caesarea Philippi, it will say uh, there that, that, that uh, he, you know, he really began to ask his disciples, well, who, you know, who do men say that I am? You know, and some said, well, you know, some say this, some say that. Maybe you're John the Baptist, maybe you're a lot, you know, whoever. He said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you know, you are the Christ. You are the, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, and flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Wow. And, and, and I say that your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Church on the rock. Okay? Uh, that's, that's where that comes from. Upon this rock I will build my church. And, you know, I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound, and whatever you lose, you know, be, uh, you know or whatever's uh, bound on earth, heaven, in heaven you'll bind on earth. And whatever you see bound, this is how it actually reads, uh, uh, and wh whatever you see allowing, that I allow in heaven, you should allow that on earth. It reads opposite of that, but that's not the real meaning. But, uh, and then, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's you know he's he's trying to tell them I'm gonna be crucified you know but I'm gonna you know everything gonna be okay I'm gonna and Peter takes Jesus aside and says listen you need don't be saying that has anybody ever made a negative confession you take him aside and say don't be saying that well you know that's that's, that's what Peter did don't be making negative confessions Jesus you know <laughs> Jesus was not making a negative confession. Jesus was telling people what, you know, uh, uh, what, what had gone on in his life. He's about to go to the Mount of Transfiguration here in a little bit. And Moses and Elijah are going to meet with him and tell him some of the same things. But he says, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem. And Peter says, no, basically over my dead body ain't going to happen. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are not savoring the things that be of the Holy Spirit. You are paying too much attention to the things of the flesh, to the things of man. Now, these are the things that, that, that God began to share with me as I began my journey. You know, uh, you know, my mom and dad gave me this Bible 50 years ago today. These are the things that would speak to me as I first began to give attention to the Word, and I began to let, 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 let the Word speak to me, and I began to wonder what it meant, and I began to try to find out. And, you know, this same story is also in Luke, the ninth chapter, and in Mark, the eighth chapter. Uh, but in, in, in the 16th chapter of Matthew here, we can read as, 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 as Jesus is, you know, um, beginning here to, to give me a message for my life, and I believe he's giving me the same message for my life today and the same message for the life of the body of Christ today. I believe this is a very good message 
that the body of Christ needs today, especially in the Western world, especially in America, to where many times in America, uh, if, you know, church doctrine has almost evolved into a motivational speaking, into a, into a motivational seminar. You know, uh, you know uh, God wants you to be happy, and whatever makes you happy is what God wants. Hello? And uh, here's how you can get a better car, a better house. Here's how you can get, you know, what you want, what you need. Here's how you can, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, bring these things, you know, make these things come to you. And, and if we're not watchful, we can almost make the Word of God, the Bible, a candy store. If we're not watchful, we can turn God into a spiritual Santa Claus if we're not watchful. And we can think, for some reason, that the Word of God, the Bible, that it is really here for us to do shopping. We need to, whenever we want something, we go shopping and we find a, a, a faith scripture for it, and we began to just hold on to that because, after all, it all you know, it's all about me. And if we're not watchful, we can fall into that uh, American dream theology, that ideology. If we're not watchful, we can buy into a false doctrine that says that if, if it costs you or if, it, or, or, or if it's not benefiting you, then it's not God, you know. I mean, I have, I have, you have, we have heard this preached very strongly, you know, that I'm just, I, I just don't receive that. Well, listen, if it's the Word of God, you need to buy into it. You know, the Bible says we through much tribulation will enter into the kingdom. You need to put that one in your promise box. Pull that one out in the morning. We through much tribulation will enter into the kingdom. Well, I don't receive that. Well, you know, Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. No, I don't receive that. Many of the afflictions of the righteous. No, I don't receive that. You know? and, and those aren't the end of the stories, but those are the things that we face in this life. And so this is what God was, was putting into me early on because he knew that I would have extreme faith and that I would trust him and believe him for things. He knew more about me than I knew about myself. He had called me. To preach and he had been discipling me and and uh, so here uh, he says in Matthew the 16th chapter after you know uh, saying all these after being there and you know rebuking Peter and I'm gonna build this you know blessing I'm you know well hold on Jesus you were gonna build the church on me a moment ago now you're correcting me yes both of those are in the Word of God God saying good and God saying don't God saying, oh, yes, I mean, you, you know, and then God, you know, I'm, I'm going to build a church on you. Get behind me, Satan. Okay, uh, listen, it just depends on where you are in life. And we need to realize and embrace that not everything is aimed at our pleasure. Not everything is aimed at our, uh, at, at our personal happiness or joy. Okay? And this is what God was wanting to put in me because he knew that I was going to become a pastor. He knew I was going to become a pastor in an age of the church in which charismatic theology and hyper-faith theology was going to permeate the church. And a lot of meism was going to get into the, 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 the arena and we're going to become favorite word people instead of word people. And I, I uh, you know, if you've known me for, uh, for very long, you know that there is, uh, we must have a balance. And I preach a balance to pastors, to leaders all over the world of grace and works. 
because there is a balance. We are responsible. We are saved by grace. But once we are saved, we should work for Jesus. Because you can go to heaven poor, stupid, and lazy. But you won't have the blessed life just sitting around saying, I'm blessed. I'm preaching better than you're amening. And sometimes it costs us to do the will of God. So, this is what Jesus was, was, was uh, teaching to me in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and when I would read that, I would, I would uh, just say, okay, he's speaking to me. I want to take it personally. I want to be one of his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Oh, my goodness. Can, can you take a marker and just mark that out of your Bible? That's got to be Old Testament. That's got to be somewhere else. What? Deny myself? Is that a part of what we believe? Yes. It's a part of what Jesus believes. It's a part of what he was teaching his disciples. If any man is going to come after me, he's going to have to you know, let him deny himself. Number two, take up his cross. And number three, follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will find it. He's talking about to be consumed Whoever is, is consumed with pursuing only what is good for me is going to end up losing. You're going to end up having to compromise. If, you just, you know, if you're looking for what's best for you, then you're going to end up you know, being uh, con continually offered the opportunity to compromise. Just like Jesus was, tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights, offered opportunity to compromise. And verse 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There are three things tonight that I just want to center on that I want to tell you is the message for me in this season of my life and I believe is a message for you in this season of your life. For some of you, very directly, this is a message from God for you. Number one, Jesus said, there will come a time in your life, and if you really want to follow me, if you really want to follow me, not follow yourself, not follow your own desires, not follow your own, you know, your own hopes and dreams, but if you want to follow me, there's going to come a time in your life when you are going to be faced with a reality that is going to necessitate you denying yourself. Let him deny himself. You know, there is, in your life, there is a sinful self. Hello? There is a sinful self in your life. And if you cannot deny your sinful self, you will end up compromising and you will not be following Jesus. You may can quote scripture and, 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 and you may, you know, uh, can, can claim faith. But we have to deny ourselves from time to time, especially that sinful self. And also the righteous self, the self that says, I don't need God. The self that says, I am right, I'm right and he's wrong, or I'm right and that preacher's interpretation is wrong. I'm right and that particular scripture doesn't mean what it says it's mean. No, I'm sorry, but righteous self has to be denied as well. The self that says, I don't need to repent. The self that says, I don't need to, to forgiveness. I don't need to ask God for forgiveness. How long has it been since you have asked God for forgiveness? How long has it been since you have repented? How long has it been since you have been on your knees, on your knees before the 
almighty creator of the universe and said out of your mouth, I submit my life to you. You are God. You are right. I am not right. You are right. And where I differ from you, I am wrong. Let God be praised and every man be a liar. Let every committee, every organization, let every other preacher and pastor in the world be considered wrong and a liar when they err from what your intent is of the Scripture. Let all of my philosophy be nothing but vain deceit. How long has it been since you've denied your sinful self, your righteous self? How long has it been since you have been faced with denying your selfish self? Listen, not everything's about you. You're tangled up with, a, with, with 7 billion people, most of which are lost and on their way to hell today, and every one of them Christ gave his life for. You're tangled up with people who don't know their right from their left, who are absolutely blind and lost. It's not about you. These are the things that he was pouring into my life as he knew he was preparing me to receive a call to say that you have been invited to get prepared to preach the Word of God to a world that's lost and hurt. The first thing we must do is realize we will be required to deny ourselves, our sinful self, our righteous self, our selfish self. Either that or deny Jesus, which he will later say, if you deny me, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you deny me, I'll deny you. I don't want to deny Jesus. It requires me to deny myself or to deny his word. And his word is not always easy. His will is not, does not always put a smile on our face. Number two, take up your cross. Taking up the cross is, is a picture of what Jesus did for the joy that was set before him. Do you know that God expects us to have a cheerful, patient endurance of the shame it is in some places and in some points of agreeing with him? Do you know when we agree with him in some places we are facing public shame? Not just public shame, but public pain. There are some costs associated with taking up your cross that we might be asked to pay at some point. But a cheerful, patient endurance of shame and pain for the cause of Christ. This morning I was reading, after I'd done my regular Bible reading that I do every morning, and, 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 and then I, 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 do, I was doing some pleasure reading. And I got over into the book of Acts, and I got in Acts 21 specifically, and I was reading about the Apostle Paul and how the Apostle Paul was there in Jerusalem, and he was doing everything he should do. And, you know, he was, he was paying his vows, and, you know, he was in the temple, and he was, he was doing everything he could to show himself a good faith participant among the Jews. And somebody wrongfully accused him of bringing one of a Gentiles into the temple, which he did not. And they drug him out of the temple and they began to beat him in the streets. And the Bible says that the crowd was so violent that they intended to kill him. And as they were beating him, soldiers came and rescued him. 
They took him over, going to carry him up some steps, and he could not even walk up the steps. He had been beaten so violently. And so two soldiers had to carry him up the steps. When they got him to the top of the steps and the mob was crying out, you know, kill him, kill him, you know, you know and they were wanting to tear at him and they had been so violent, they had beaten him. This was not a spiritual beating. This was, he was beaten up so bad he couldn't even carry himself and stand up. But when he gets to the top, of the stairs as he's been carried he asked that 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 roman uh, the leader of those soldiers he said can i say a word it surprised that centurion because he didn't know that this man could speak greek he said you can speak greek i thought you were the egyptian that carried four thousand assassins out into the wilderness and he said no i am a jew i was born in tarsus and so there he says okay and he permitted him to speak and when the apostle paul spoke in hebrew and the people heard him speaking in Hebrew they didn't even know why they were being so violent the Bible says that they quieted down to listen to him and when they got quit uh, quiet rather and and there the, the 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 you know the, the same crowd that had beaten him the same crowd that wanted to kill him violent the Bible says do you know what he told them about as he is there enduring his pain arrested this centurion is about to carry him inside and tie him up and intend to scourge him trying to get the truth out of him as to why these people were beating him as though it was his fault he was being beaten when intended to whip him that's what the bible says you can read it he was telling the truth but he was going to beat the truth out of him you know what the Apostle Paul said there as he's being held up on the top of the stairs and people are listening to him? He starts to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and how Jesus wants to save the whole world, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. He's not only peacefully and, and, and cheerfully you know, enduring the pain and the shame, but he's doing it while on his lips or on his, in his heart is the love of Christ constrains him to be a witness to those who are wanting to tear him apart. That's taking up your cross. It's not just, well, I don't want to pray at school. Because, you know, I mean, oh, no. Uh, I think, I think uh, you know, religion is a private matter. No, it's not. It's personal. You have to get born again. But it's not private. Don't let the devil tell you that. Well, I don't, because if I, if I do, I might get in trouble. or They might not like it. They might be uncomfortable. Yes, they may. They may beat you down and kick you and drag you out in the street and go get their car to run over you. But when they do, I pray that you are saying to them, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. And salvation is apportioned unto you. Christ died for you. Taking up your cross. I pray it does not become that violent or that dramatic or that intense. And it's probably not. Jesus is probably only asking us to witness to our waitress. Taking up our cross. And follow Jesus. To be like Jesus. You see, it's about all the others. That's what I read when I read this for the last 50 years. 
the last 804 months. That's what 50 years is. 3,496 weeks, I believe. Two billion. Yeah. 50 years. No. 67 years. I've been alive 67. Two billion, one hundred and fourteen million, three hundred and forty-three thousand, six hundred and thirty-five seconds. Wow. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. That's what it's all about. That's the message that I've gotten from this word. That's the message I give you tonight. I love you. God has a plan for your life. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.